Now, we can have that debate. I'm not really saying that the Constitution is, is biblical or anything like that. That's not where I'm going with this. But I'm saying that's the symbology there, that laws are above people. Romans 13, 4-5, reads as a problem. For the government is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. The purpose of government is to provide a framework in which people exist. Now, if you look at the Constitution, the preamble, the meat of the preamble, basically says that. Establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense. What it says in the preamble is basically yeah, identically identical to what it says in Romans 3, uh, 13, 4 through 5. Now, when this president is speaking this oath, with only two exceptions, he has placed his hand on what? What is that? Now, I think we get the point of that, don't we? Well, what's interesting? Think that it's a covenant. Now, I don't know that our presidents have thought about this way. But when two people in the ancient areas would make a covenant, they would swear to a deity that they're going to uphold this, this covenant, that they're both going to do their part. And if they don't, that the deity was going to do something to them. They were swearing to each other, this is what we're going to do. Now, this is important, because the president, whether he believes it or not, whether any president has believed it or not, is acknowledging the fact that someone is determining what is right and wrong. And if he's being untruthful, if he's not doing his part, then he's going to show, then God is going to show that to be the case. God is going to hold him accountable. That's the idea of swearing upon the Bible. Now our world is very confused on this point. In an editorial in CNN, a writer named uh, Dean Obedala wrote the following. The founding fathers made it clear that the U.S. Constitution shall be the supreme law of the land, and as such, that's the document our president should place his hand on. He's arguing that the Bible is a religious artifact and should not be part of swearing in. And in fact, the president should just swear on the Constitution. Now think about that. If you swear to uphold the Constitution based on the Constitution, what's above that? What's above the Constitution? Nothing. If you're swearing on the Constitution, there's nothing about that. There's nothing greater than that. If I swear to uphold the law, but I swear based on the law, then I'm in charge. If I don't uphold that law, who's going to hold me accountable for that? To whom am I swearing? Basically, I'm swearing to myself. I promise myself. I'm going to do the thing. And then I don't, well, I guess I'm just accountable to myself then. Yeah. No big deal. Laws are above people. Good and bad are objective ideas. This is essential to our existence. 
This is essential to how we live our lives. The very fact of a law presupposes that something is above it, that something came before it, that some idea was necessary in order to say, this is wrong and that is right. Did somebody just get up one morning, or did culture just kind of like form in such a way, so all of a sudden, this is good and that is bad? Well, we see that in our culture, but is that true? Legal scholar Matthew Spaulding writes, Oliver Wolcott, quotes, Oliver Wolcott, who was one of the founders, noted at the Connecticut Ratifying Convention, the Constitution enjoins an oath upon all the officers of the United States. This is a quote from, this is a quote from one of the founders. This is a direct appeal to that God who is the avenger of perjury. The fact of an oath presupposes somebody who's going to hold us all accountable for right and for wrong. Spalding goes on to say, the framers' general understanding was that proscribing, as in prohibiting, was that proscribing religious tests did not necessarily remove the religious significance of the general oath. Jefferson put it in the Declaration, right? Endowed by their creator. Jefferson understood this. He wasn't much of a theist. A very vague theist at best. People say he's a deist. It's not really true. But he was a very vague theist. But he understood that justice is dependent upon one who is just, one who is outside of us. If there's not a just one outside of us, then there is no justice. It's all just what you feel like and your aesthetic preference and you've got to get over it because I'm going to do it my way and I'm tougher than you. Tough luck. That's all it is. Even though the First Amendment prohibited an official endorsement of any particular denomination, the founders understood something that has been largely lost in our culture. If there is no divine force behind any law or right, then there is no such thing as justice or right or wrong. It is a common understanding in our Western world. People have come to believe that they are the gravitational center of their moral world. Many, if not most of the people you see over the course of the day, would assert that they are beholden only to their own consciences and nothing else. And if they feel okay about that particular matter, then that matter is objectively okay. And if you don't think so, Just as soon as people would choose to mock the notion that there's anything behind any, any law, very often you hear them say something like, well, they're going to find themselves on the wrong side of history. We've heard that a lot. What is that? They're going to find themselves on the wrong side of history. The people who are just fighting to get God out of, out of immorality are still looking to and citing Something that they need to justify their own beliefs. History. History will eventually just like smush everything according to that. What does it mean to say that history will leave it un- will leave it unjustified? That's not a good thing. Because they're still citing something above them as fast as they're trying to get rid of something above them. It's a confused way of viewing the world. Now, 
We understand that many of the founders were not Orthodox Christians. We understand that this country is not a Christian country in the same way that Brunswick and Israel is a Jewish country. But the point within the Constitution and within the conscience of our governing documents is still there. Any law is just or unjust only because there is a God in heaven who is the embodiment of justice and he finally made all matters right. That's what we see in our passage. The beginning of each verse starts with by me. Now, this is kind of Hebrew or camp, so just stick with me a little bit. Usually at the beginning of a, a Hebrew sentence, you'll have a verb, and that verb will usually have a little suffix on it that says, I'm doing this, or he's doing this, or she's doing that, or you are doing that. You know, when Christ says, it is finished, in the New Testament, in Greek, that's one word, telemessa, okay? It's the same thing in Hebrew. You can have one word that says a whole sentence. Without me, 
they cannot possibly rule justly. If you think back to the middle 70s, there was a confluence of leadership. Middle 70s through the middle 80s. Rulers and moral leaders throughout the West and the Eastern Bloc countries began taking a stand in a matter that 10 years before, they would have just gotten mowed down. After, for whatever reason, something was unsettling to the leaders. They were unable to counteract what was going on. Vaclav Havel and uh, Carol Matoya, uh, who was with being um, Pope John Paul, and then obviously uh, Lech Walesa in Poland, and Thatcher and Reagan, and all these people kind of all happened at the same time. And it wasn't any one person that affected this change. It was all these people who came in and had a vision for something, and it just At any other time, if one pops up at one time, they get mowed down. And at another time, another one gets mowed down. Martin Luther would not have survived even a year if it wasn't for his protector, if it wasn't for Frederick. There was a guy, a local guy, who was one of the most important political figures, and without him, Martin Luther wouldn't have made it any longer than any of these other guys. But as it turns out, a wise leader was inserted into that place by which justice could come to pass. God does that. That's not just happenstance. That's not just coincidence. That isn't, oh, I'm glad Frederick was there. That is, thank you, God. You make this happen. But that's not the only thing that this passage says. So the second part is, Rulers decree what is just. But the first part is, kings rule. By me, kings rule. That is, all rulers. That's more challenging. We can understand that God affects just rule, but there have been probably many more unjust rulers in history. If you like, turn with me to Isaiah 10. Around um, 30 or 40 years before this passage in Isaiah, Jonah, yeah, Jonah, Jonah, had entered Nineveh, which was the capital of Syria, and prophesied their destruction. And the entire city as the story goes. There was a huge revival. Many people at that time surely came to know the one true God. But again, 30 to 40 years later, at the time of this passage, Syria had returned to their military prominence and they were behaving very, very badly. Just to review a little history, the northern part of Israel is called Israel at this point. The southern part of Israel is called Judah. Okay? Isaiah is prophesying primarily to the northern kingdom. That's where he exists. Okay? So, verse 5. Chapter 10, verse 5. Ah, Assyria, the rod of my anger, the 
staff in their hands is my fury. Verse 6. Against the godless nation I send him, and against the people of my wrath I command him to take spoil, seize plunder, and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. God is sending Assyria to destroy those who oppose him. Isaiah goes on to say in verse 7, he, that is Assyria, does not so intend, and his heart does not so think. But it is in his heart to destroy and to cut off nations, not a few. God is using Assyria to accomplish what he wants. And Assyria is doing what it wants to do in conquering and robbing and destroying everything in its path. And this is very important. Assyria is not intentionally on board with God's plan. And yet, they are doing it anyway. Assyria wants to wreck everything in its path or steal everything in its path. God wants to exact punishment and discipline on several countries. Assyria is not on board with God, and yet he's doing exactly, they are doing exactly what God needs them to do in that place. God is not responsible. God has not called them to do sin. They want to do sin, and he is using them. Like you would use a hammer to accomplish what This is a very complicated idea. But it's important that you find room in your theological gratefulness. Because, it says in our passage today, by me, kings rule. By me, all rulers come into existence. Isaiah goes on in verse 10. As my hand has reached to the kingdoms of the idols, whose carved images were greater than those of Jerusalem and Samaria, shall I not do to Jerusalem and her idols, as I have done to Samaria and her images? Samaria, that will be Jezebel, that will be taking on all the Phoenician idols burning your children alive. This is what Israel was doing. God is punishing multiple different countries for their idolatry and unrighteousness. He is especially intent on punishing his people in the kingdom of Israel for their idolatrous complicity with the many regional demonic entities. God is punishing his people. He is using an evil thing to do it. Isaiah goes on. When the Lord has finished all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, he will punish the speech of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the boastful look in his eyes. Okay. God needs to do this punishment, right? God needs to punish his people and all these other nations. Assyria is all too happy to be that thing, but they're not on board with God. They just want what they want. God is going to use Assyria to do this. 
get. Assyria just wants to mow down everything in their way. God needs to punish nations for idolatry. Both of them get what they want. God will punish Assyria for having done it. They had sin in their heart that they wanted to do. God was going to punish them no matter what was going on. As it is, God utilized them to do this. Do we have room in our grave for this? Because that's what right. By me, kings rule. It's true it goes on to say, and the just will rule justly. It's not idol. It's both man. Rulers rule. And the just rule justly. God's wisdom is such that in bringing about the changes and situations necessary for his glory, he will affect things in this world that we can't comprehend. We're reading this and we're saying, I, I am a little bit out of balance with the fact of this. I'm not saying it's not biblical, it's, it's making me a little uneasy. In the same way that God is saying to, jo- to Job, Where are you going to make the hippopotamus? What's that do with God is saying, My ways are not your ways. My ways are so much. Those who love God in that day did not lean on their own understanding, but instead they trusted the Lord and they did so because God disciplined them with his tool, the Assyrians. In verse 20 of Isaiah 10, Isaiah writes, In that day the remnant of Israel and the survivors of the house of Jacob will be no more, no more lean on him who struck him, but will lean on the Lord. So, our scenario gets even more complicated. Assyria wants to wreck everything. God needs to punish his people. God uses Assyria to do this. Assyria is going to get punished. And God, in doing all of this, is calling his people to repentance through their suffering. This is God doing the whole thing, seeing the whole picture and moving things around and saying, over there, and there's a little bit over there, and a little bit over there. Yeah, they're going to do what they want to, and that's going to work out, so I'm just going to kind of funnel them over there, and it's going to accomplish the thing that I want it to do. And it isn't even that he says, maybe they will repent, or maybe they'll come back to them. He is saying, through Isaiah, Assyria is going to just flatten them, and they will return to me. That's amazing. God's in charge. We experience suffering. We look around in our world and we see so much unsettled stuff. We see crazy stuff, stuff that frankly the world has not seen before. What can we make it? Yeah, we trust God. That's that's true. Yeah, Jesus is in charge and he works all things together for the good of his people. And what? You read through this, you read through this passage, and you read through this passage in the light of today's passage, which is which is the Proverbs 8, 15, and 16, and you realize that God is not only in charge of the details, but he is executing it to fruition no matter what. This is an incredibly complex issue. And it really deserves its own series. Like a series.
but uh, you know, that. So, except one, uh, turn to Proverbs 11, verse 11. Now, we just spent some time exploring God's sovereignty over human affairs. Now, if we look at this passage, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked is overthrown. Don't we understand that God raises up kings and brings down kings, right? How exactly is some how exactly are some of the people are involved in a way that is actually affecting change in their society? If God is in charge to that degree, how do we understand our part of that? James. James says that it is the tongue by which we can set our whole world on fire. Going on to say even more explicitly that setting setting on fire the entire course of life is set on fire by hell. Now, what is fire? Do see a piece of wood and if you light it on fire and it breaks it apart from a whole bunch of constituent parts, right? It's assembled. It. it goes from order. The disorder. Pile stuff. Right? As literal as are the flames of hell, so are those who use their mouth in the words. And this has the same compounding effect that we would burn with our mouth, with our tongue, we would burn things. There would be no order. There would be no cohesion. That these things would fall apart into their respective sections. Everything that is in order, everything that is straight, becomes disassembled. People stop trusting each other. No one's word is any good anymore. People think of themselves before anyone else. Everything breaking down into its component parts, crying and hopelessness. Escalates because people are less interested in what is objectively wise in the law that is above us more than ever. I'm not sure a preacher used this illustration. He said, Imagine that this room, and go ahead and imagine it. I don't know, my idea, but the room is full of demons, and they have matches. They have an endless book of little divine matches that we are relating as fast as they can. Now, you might be able to put out a couple of those fires on your own. But the reality is, the time you spent trying to put out those two fires, they started another thousand. There's no way you can keep up. But if you trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding, the Holy Spirit shows up. All. We can't do it. The law is above us. It is our duty to speak truth, but we cannot, in the final estimation, make truth happen. When wisdom speaks, it is God speaking, and it has the same force that let there be light had. It makes things. It 
creates order. It changes things. It makes it happen. Without it, we can't do it. When Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me, he isn't speaking the hyperbolic.
for that purpose, for that time. By the blessing of the upright, by the blessing of the ones who were formed by God in his wisdom to do that thing at that place. We trust him. We trust that our own understanding is not sufficient. He will form us. He will make straight our paths. He will make us upright. He will make us the right shape or the right thing at the right time. And only He has the wisdom to do that. And that's why we're not supposed to be not our own understanding. Because we couldn't possibly foresee what the proper shape was for any particular thing. Only He We lean on our own understanding. And when we trust in Him alone, He forms us. We are not conformed by the world. We are transformed by the might of God. And He makes us into that shape. He transforms us into that shape so that we can be the thing that we need to be in that place. It is beautiful. The world needs Jesus. Jesus doesn't need the world. Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. He used that as the foundational predicate for saying, go forth and make little versions of me. Because I can make you upright. I can make your path straight. I can form you. I can morph into the shape that will suit you. What you have to do at that point. Do not lean on your own understanding. You are not up to the task. You try and look at the thing and try and figure out what it is at that time. You keep looking at what Eve did. We look at Eve and think, what did she ever mess that up? If we are trying to lean on our own understanding, we are doing exactly the same thing. God is a vending machine for wisdom. God is So we look to him to make our paths It is by him that kings come to rule. And God uses the just kings to rule justly and the unjust kings to accomplish his purposes. And we could never understand that any more than we can understand how to assemble a hippopotamus from subatomic particles. same way, we can't know what sort of things we're going to be Christ died for us so that we could go boldly to him and ask that he would transform us for his purposes and that we may do the image work that he has made us to As marvelous as God works in kings and in governments and in world powers, He works with the same level of detail and the same attention and the same delight in the outcomes of work by Him in each of your lives. Not being on your own understanding, let Him 
These are big things. Trying to connect dots. So often where we hear people say, well, God's concerned about bigger things than just me.